Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber dot com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Rose Mercier, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So the voice of Rose Mercier here on the Tennis Podcast, helping us to introduce the latest show uh, on a day when we are midway through Indian Wells. Both Catherine Whitaker and myself, David Law, are covering Indian Wells, me uh, the women's event, Catherine the men's event. But we are in very different climes at the moment, on very different time zones, I think it would be fair to say, because Catherine is there. She is in Indian Wells. Uh, it is... What time of the day is it, Catherine, where you are as we record? It is 8.41pm, but I reckon the you say the climbs are different, but I think the the climates we're currently experiencing are probably not that different. It's like the coldest, the coldest Indian Wells since my parents came to Indian Wells and jinxed the weather, what would that have been, 2005, 14 years ago or something. The Whitaker family curse. Yeah. In- operation once again in Indian Wells. Yeah, the legendary uh, story of my dad having to buy woolly socks on a trip to Indian Wells. I did see I a coach. I, I did see a coach in, in, in those lows yet, but uh, uh, I'm well, not I saw somebody in a hoodie today watching the tennis uh, in Indian Wells. Oh, I was wrapped I was wrapped in a blanket in the studio. They had to go out to a, a Target store, a lovely um runner went to a Target store and bought three big woolly blankets for the studio. I see. I see. You yeah, haven't packed for this, Yeah, that's the glamour of TV, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, meanwhile, I am currently in London where I'm commentating on the tennis uh, for BT Sport. Catherine's over there presenting for Prime Video. Uh, where I am right now, it's 3.42 a.m. Uh, so 3.42 a.m. Yes. So all of my neighbours in uh, the hotel that I'm in uh, apologies for my voice if I'm a bit too loud. Uh, You're up with the partridge, up. David. Yes, I am. Uh, and uh, it, yes, uh, I feel bright and breezy and I'm absolutely fine. Uh, so give me about 10 more minutes and, and, and then ask me. Uh, but anyway, we've got loads of tennis You're to still talk about. perkier than me and it's well. 3.42. <laughs> uh, this is it's all wrong. 
it's all wrong. Uh, but oh, here, we're, you know, this is the sort of dedication levels that we are uh, giving you here on the Tennis Podcast on episode 515. Uh, we record at all hours of the day and night. And, uh, and uh, this is uh, your, your evidence right here. And we've got so much to talk about because uh, as well as the tennis, uh, the men's and women's events are now, what, what, what are we at? About the third or f- fourth round stage, aren't we? Yes, uh, I do find, uh, I mean, I'm loving almost everything about Indian Wells. I do find the scheduling, the stretched outness of it, and the fact that the, the, the men's and women's events, though, here in tandem are, they're at different stages, and the women's main draw starts a couple of days earlier than the men's, and you've got, you don't have, you know, one half the draw playing one day and one the next, and all the seeds getting buys. I do find it just a little bit jumbled i don't have a i'm quite visual in my 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 brain works quite visually and i don't have a sort of clear vision of where what stage the tournament is at no no and it's just yes yeah, i always feel a bit thrown out even by the sunday start of monte carlo and the french open let alone the sort of tuesday wednesday type of let's do qualifying oh and then let's start the women's tournament one day early and then let's start the blokes on about thursday (laughs) yeah because they play the same number of rounds so i don't i don't quite understand that but anyway look it's fabulous tournament but um yeah i I just wish they'd be a bit more strategic and linear right about the scheduling change it for next year indy wells all right because you know, you might have built your new eight thousand seat stadium it's too. With and my mind. Catherine Whitaker's in town now. She needs to needs to get her head around this. All right, and that's the most important thing. Um, so, much, David. so you, you, this is your first time in Indian Wells, isn't it? My first time. Yeah, it has not disappointed. Other than the weather, um, it has not disappointed. I I see why everybody raves about it. I, I was really being the slight contrarian that I am I was really ready to sort of not love it quite as much as everybody told me I was going to you know <laughs> bit of an eye roll do you know what I mean everyone goes oh oh it's just the most wonderful place people are evangelical to the point of irritation about Indian Wells but I probably will be one of those people from now on because it is it is wonderful it is absolutely wonderful magnificent okay all right um so you have been covering the men's tournament, uh, as I said. Um, I'm covering the women's tournament. We'll, we'll compare notes on, on where we are and the matches we've seen, et cetera, et cetera, uh, very soon. But there's other stuff to talk about um, because we've had, a, we've had quite a week, haven't we? Certainly in men's tennis, um, and we'll get on to talk about that. I mean, I had Andy Murray with us for, for the podcast the other day, uh, our bonus pod. Uh, what did you what did you make of what he had to say? Oh, very similar to, to what you three had to make of it. It was a, a lovely, uplifting podcast. Great to see him hear, well, hear him. Uh, you could hear the weight lifted off his shoulders. It was amazing. Um, but I, I mean... None of it was hugely new. I mean, my my impression from after the Australian Open it was quite different to it. I think other people, there were factions of tennis that felt sort of shortchanged or messed around by Murray. Like, oh, you told us you were going to retire and now you might not retire. Well, 
No, he didn't ever say that. He said, look, I'm probably going to have this surgery. No one's ever come back from it before. Obviously, I'd love to be the first, but there's absolutely no evidence currently to suggest that that'll be possible. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, that doesn't fit into a lovely, easily packaged headline, but um, his tune hasn't changed. He still primarily had that surgery for the purpose of improving his quality of life um, post-tennis, well, currently and post-tennis. And because of the person that he is, he still is going to to try and see if it's possible to come back. But there's, there's zero expectation that that's possible. Um, and it's amazing to, I'm sure there are still big ups and downs, um, but it's brilliant to hear that he, he seems to have reached a peace with, with that situation, you know, that, that almost he's, he's been able to, to reclaim some agency in the situation by having that surgery is, is, Horrible as it is, you know, he's not just sitting around and waiting and hoping. He's made a decisive uh, decision um, and he's taken back control, to yeah. use the language, to, to, to use some very uh, current political language. Yeah, somebody else, uh, some other people who've taken back control are the, the players. Ooh, at least I, the, I, led, uh, I led you into that, You David. did, yeah. The, the Players' Council, um, in a very confusing situation I, I i find really uh the the news is that uh, the atp's president and chairman effectively the the boss chris commode who's been uh there for five years he's in his sixth year uh has been ousted and he will see out the final year of his contract this year it will not be renewed that uh, decision has been made after a vote by the players. Uh, the players' council consists of, I think it's ten players, isn't it? And they, I think they were equally split, five and five. So it then went to a vote of the players' board, the board, the board of directors, um, of which there were three people on that: uh, Justin Gummelstub, who we've spoken so much about recently, uh, Alex Inglot, the uh, the brother of Dominic Inglot, uh, the doubles player. Uh, Alex Inglot works for Sports Radar, uh, which is that I think it's that data agency, um, and then. David Edgars, who's the, uh, the the vice president of Tennis Channel, so they voted three zero in favour of Chris Commode no longer carrying on in his role. Um, and I mean that that didn't come as a surprise in the end because we we'd heard all the political manoeuvrings. David Edgars had been added to the board very recently. Uh, it was believed that he is very close to Justin Gimmelstub and that Gimmelstub was against uh, Chris Commode continuing. And uh, so, yes, all the omens pointed to what we ended up getting. Um, and, yes, we received a, a press release which said that uh, Chris Commode would no longer carry on, that his six-year tenure at the helm of the ATP uh, was over. Um, and the press release said a tenure in which... We'd seen record prize money and commercial growth for the organization while attendance and viewership had soared. Commode's vision and leadership since 2014 had been instrumental in the creation of landmark new ATP events such as the award-winning next-gen ATP finals and the ATP Cup, which is uh, going to start in the new year next year. 
He's overseen the remarkable success of the NITO ATP finals in London since 2009 and has also played a crucial role in forging some of the biggest sponsorships in the sport, including, I should add, NITO themselves. Um, so, yeah, when you read that, you kind of think, hold on, why are we getting rid of him again? Anyway, let's get the view of a couple of other people here. Judy Murray said it's sad to read this uh, on Twitter. Feliciano Lopez said it's very bad news for the sport. Magnus Norman, sad day for the ATP Tour. Incredible job this man did for the players in the tournaments. Stan Wawrinka, I'm really, really sad and disappointed. Um, if you look at what he's achieved for tennis, uh, it's been amazing. Leighton Hewitt, a disappointing decision. I mean, it's, it, it goes on and on. And the tournament cancelled this very strange situation situation of the ATP being I mean it's strange in as much as in what are the walk of life would you get a, a circuit half owned by players and half owned by tournaments but that's that's what we've been used to for the last 30 years the tournament council were, were very much against it uh, the, the, the move and actually um, that seems to be one of the things that has led to the players believing and uh, on that council that there is justification for, for him leaving. The fact that the tournaments were so behind him staying, i.e. it isn't as good for the players. So that, that's, your, that's your up sum. Uh, the, the gist of it is uh, the, Novak Djokovic is the head of the player council. Um, and somewhat surprisingly, at least for me, he, he was reluctant to reveal how he voted um maybe maybe that shouldn't be surprising but i did find i did think that given the sensitivity of the issue that he would probably just tell us categorically why the decision had been made and how and where he saw it um but he was he 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 decided he wanted to respect in his words the confidentiality of the uh, of the vote um and didn't want to disclose his opinion so that's about the, the the sum of it What's your making of it, and, and what have you been hearing over there in Indian Wells, Catherine? Because I, I imagine it's been a pretty hot potato. I find the whole thing pretty extraordinary, really. Not necessarily surprising, because there have been rumblings of this for so long. I found it surprising that the board vote was 3-0. I, I have to say, I didn't realise the structure was of the organisation was such that the player council could be split, and yet the player representatives on the board could not reflect that split, could not reflect the feelings of the player council in the way they, they voted. Are they therefore free to completely disregard how the player council votes? Is it just a sort of steering thing? Is it just a, his guidance of how we feel, but feel free to vote however you like in, in on the board? So I don't quite understand that. I think it's, I think it's poor that nobody from the the player council, no official player council statement has been released, no explanation at all um, has been released for for the reasons for for that vote. We can all we can all speculate, um, but there's been nothing official, um, and I can understand in terms of personal preservation why Novak Djokovic doesn't want to be drawn on it. But just as the tournament council have done, you'd think the players council as a whole, could release a statement. I I realised that they were split, but nonetheless, they could release a statement explaining that split, explaining the two sides of it. They don't necessarily have to reveal exactly how everybody voted, but some sort of accountability. But therein lies the issue, because 
this is <laughs> we're having to speculate now because we're, we're having to assume that that basically they 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 don't consider themselves accountable because they want the ATP to be a union of the players and not essentially the governing body of of men's tennis. They want it to or they certainly they want there to be a separate players' union. So, I what I don't understand is why any of this is specific to Chris and why it will be any different with any other chairman and, and CEO because the the issue that they seem to have is with the structure of the ATP and look I I hear that there is a fundamental conflict of interest at the heart of the the organization structure I personally think and I really get the feeling that most people in tennis think that Chris has done an exceptionally good job of balancing that fundamental conflict. Um, but look, I understand why people are, are wary and, and have issues with that conflict, but it is, it is nothing specific to Chris. So I don't understand why he has been made the full guy. Um, and if, if, if the, if this is a move, intended to change the whole structure of the organization rather than something specific to to one individual isn't that kind of a coup mm. isn't that what this this is or yeah. certainly the first the first move in a coup and and this is what I, where I where I would be concerned for the future is that I think you just are going to end up with gridlock uh, at, in every vote. I think one of the things that Chris has done well is you heard those things that he has a- achieved. He's sort of achieved things in spite of the structure of the ATP. And if you if you want to keep it together and keep moving forwards, you need somebody who's able to act as a diplomat and, a, and, a, and have vision and, and be prepared to drive things through but take other people with you at the same time i just think given the strength of the opposition to this move on the tournament council side added to all of those voices we've just heard from some pretty big names um i just think you're going to get this standoff now um pretty much everywhere you go and yes that might lead to the ultimate total upheaval and change of the structure maybe for the maybe for the long-term good who knows maybe the fact that this will lead to the whole thing being chucked up in the air and and you getting a players union but i just i don't think this is a time for that sort of instability and uh, given how much instability is already out there and plus is it really that wrong i mean you know is are they really getting such a bad deal the players i uh, I mean, yes, there are people who might say, oh, people are 150 downwards are, are not making enough money. Yeah, maybe they're not. But maybe they maybe they shouldn't be. I don't know how, how many players should be making a, a good, a really good living. Certainly the ones that are in the top 50 are doing absolutely fine. Um, so I don't know. I, I I think that they, it's it's baby out with bathwater this. And, and I, I think it's it's dangerous. Yeah, I think so too. And and we're now in a situation where we don't really trust, certainly not, you know, we're, we're, speculation fills a vacuum, doesn't it? So with the vacuum of information, the, we've kind of got no reason to trust anybody's motives. You know, it's the, it's the same old thing that we've been talking about for months. Who has tennis's best interests at heart? You know, just tennis. 
Um, and <laughs> I think there are an awful lot of people involved in this who who may not have tennis's best interests at heart. Look, they they might, but without them explaining themselves, I, I <laughs> look just looking at the bare facts of the situation, I find it hard to to give benefit of the doubt. But I really feel for Chris Commode. Look, I, I think he'll be fine because you know he's got a heck of a CV behind him now. Um, so I'm I'm not you know worried about his future or his employment prospects. I just don't think he deserved this, and it must be a a pride wounder for for someone like him. And and uh, I think the ATP by and large under his um, tenure has been in great shape, and he's done a great job, and um, he'll be sorely missed. Um, I should say, when Novak Djokovic did speak, he spoke at some length w- without revealing the, the the details of how he personally felt about it. He, he spoke on behalf of the council and what they decided, and he spoke about the flawed structure of the ATP. He said it's a very difficult position to be in as pres- president because you have to choose between the players and the tournaments. So I feel it's something we have to address as a group, the governing structure. I feel like it's time to make changes to protect, protect the president – but 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 David, none of none of that is specific to Chris. Yeah. How will uh, that be different under any new chairman, unless that they have a new chairman in mind who is somebody that they know will be amenable to those plans to to com- to completely overhaul the organisation. So who is that person? Who is that person? I, yeah, I would these- I would guess that that it comes down to Chris probably being unprepared to go along with this idea of well to to to, to dismantle the the organization that he yeah. governs i mean <laughs> what ceo would go oh right okay you want to you want to take 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 my ship apart mm. go ahead take the sails and the, the the other element, of course, to it is the the other uncomfortable truth in all of it is that one of the three people that voted uh, and admittedly, it wasn't a decisive vote because it was three zero in 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 black and white terms. But one of them was Justin Gimmelstab, who is currently on, uh, who is currently charged with with a a situation that could lead to a trial. Um, and you know, it it, it it's it, it's very uncomfortable knowing that. Um, so, you know, he's he's going to be in court on Wednesday. Uh, and some people's view is well innocent until proven guilty but at the same time this is somebody who has stepped down from his role at the tennis channel um, whilst he deals with this situation and yet he stays on the ATP board and he takes part in a, a vote which has massive repercussions for the sport so what happens if he did get found guilty now I mean it's it's uncomfortable yeah, and if you're uncomfortable with conflicts of interest within tennis and one of your board, you know, take away the trial in that situation, one of your board members is somebody that, you know, is walking conflicts of interest, really. I mean, look, we all have them. I completely accept that. But, um, and that, you know, freelancers in, in tennis, it can be hard to avoid. But he, he is an absolute beacon of conflicts of interest isn't he he's a coach he's on the players board he's a commentator he's a shareholder in tennis channel it's you know it's bonkers there's a lot going on there there's so, a lot of ironies yeah yeah so we'll see i mean 
who ends up replacing Chris uh, and whether Chris actually does end up getting to the end of the year because, I mean, it's that in itself is a, is an uncomfortable situation now. He, he must knows... just want to go, oh, bog off, I'm going to the Caribbean. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, oh. I might go with him. Sounds good. <laughs> um, he, if I were Chris, I'd say, can I have some, can I have... 10 months of gardening leave please <laughs> thanks very much i'll clear my desk see you later uh, can, can can you have any other sort of leave because i'm, I'm not that into gardening can i have cooking leave because gardening like leave david gardening leave just means being paid to to nap and to <laughs> do bog all <laughs> no wonder you want it this is the dream yeah it does sound awesome This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right, should we talk about some tennis? Um, yeah. Fine. Some actual balls that have been hit across the net uh, and there's been I'm lots of I'm watching some right now. Are you? Who are you watching? I'm watching Stan Wawrinka and Martin Fucevic. It's an absolute barnstormer. Is it? Oh, yeah. Wawrinka's well, we, we... serving for it in the third, 5-4, but 15-30. So what oh, has that's caught a nice your... backhand. All oh. right. Sooner, soon to be out of date <laughs> tennis news here on the Tennis Podcast, um, which Catherine has been 40. following. 40 Break points, David. All right. 
with some yeah, with with some uh, very extreme detail. Catherine has been following all of this because she's been presenting about it. Um, and we, we actually one of the first matches I saw on your coverage was Stan Wawrinka against Dan Evans. That was a good match. Yeah, yeah. That was on day two of the coverage, and that was. Yeah. I mean, there've been a couple of good matches today, but I'd still say that's been the best so far. It was really high quality. I I, I so enjoyed it, and um, pretty much everybody. Um, on our team that I've spoken to about it says Dan Evans is playing as good, if not better tennis than when he was 41 in the world, um, obviously, which was, was where he was just just before he um, got the drugs banned. So, yeah. I mean, that in itself is extraordinary. And also great credit to, to David Felgate. Um, and I think it's a credit to Dan for bringing David Felgate on board, knowing that Felgate isn't somebody that will accept half measures um yeah i think it's 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 a credit to them both actually on the subject of your coverage uh your good friend greg rosetsky's been going uh going full on hasn't he with the old predictions uh felix auger aliasim beat cameron norrie and then beat stefano sitsipas i mean he looked amazing auger aliasim in those two matches he's the business and he is the business greg promptly said this guy's going to be in the top 10 by the end of the year yeah, he said this guy's going to be top ten, and I thought, oh. Bef- I was thinking, yeah, you know, yeah, you're late to the party, Greg. Everyone's been saying that for about since he was about fourteen, and then he finished the sentence and said, "By the end of the year," and I thought, oh, oh, um, yeah. And then that was, bef- to be fair, that was before he beat Cameron Norrie, um, right. and then he went and beat Cameron Norrie, and then he went and absolutely bullied Stefanos Sitsipas around the court. It was uh, unbelievable. He, he, he's, I cannot, I cannot believe he's eighteen. Isn't it? Isn't because it weird? Four zero record he's got against Sitsipas. If you include juniors, I mean, I don't know how much you can read into juniors, but well, uh, apparently I, a lot in their case. And Sitsipas was was saying afterwards that I mean, inevitably this schedule he's playing is is probably catching up to him a bit. But at the same time, just as a sheer matchup, Auger Aliassime just had his measure. Yeah, it made um he made Sitsipas look overly flashy. He made he made Sitsipas look like he had too little margin for error in his game. Um, well that's something Daniela was saying, wasn't it? Daniela had yeah, to cover on your coverage, whereas, I remember that. Whereas Auger Eliasim uh, he he has the weapons, he has the unbelievable athleticism I mean who were we talking about the other day that seemed to have the absolute perfect build for tennis in fact was it Auger Aliasim yes it was um, yeah well I mean he he just does it's funny a couple of things that that he's he said recently first of all he said I really hope I don't grow anymore you know it is possible that at 18 he could still grow somewhere and he said I really hope I don't because at the moment I feel like I'm the perfect shape I have the perfect frame for tennis. So, I don't know, how do you stop yourself from growing? Eat a load of junk food? I'd love to tell you. I don't know. <laughs> I've asked the wrong guy. <laughs> um, and the other thing he said before the sit-to-pass match was, he said, I know he doesn't like playing guys younger than him. And I found that so interesting. And so it proved. He looked so rattled. I mean, he looked frazzled more than anything. And when he came into press, it's a pass and says, and said what you, you just, 
what you just recounted about, you know, I feel like I've just, I need a break from tennis. He, he had those sort of red patches under his eyes where it, it, he just looked sort of vacant um, and not exactly present. Um, but yeah, I found it really interesting that Auger Eliassim had clocked that he just didn't, didn't like playing guys younger than him. Different pressure, um, isn't it? And, and actually, yeah. I, think, I think it was another thing that Daniela was saying. She's good, isn't she, by the way? Um, but She's she, brilliant. She but, is brilliant. But she was saying that it is a different pressure. You know, Sitsabas is somebody who loves playing Nadal and, and Federer and, and the big names because, yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's not so extreme, but we've seen it with Kyrgios. It's, that's, there's no pressure. It's fun. You just go out there and you just puff your chest out. When you're playing these, these other players who you're supposed to beat – Different, different thing altogether. You've mentioned the K word. Ah, uh, didn't go his way this time, <laughs> did it? What happened to him? It was the most predictable, unpredictable tennis result in the history of tennis. He was going to play Djokovic, and he yeah. didn't. Greg had already <laughs> recorded a preview of Djokovic Kyrgios on his Instagram. Greg. Oh, his little face when Kyrgios trudged <laughs> off the court with his shoes in hand. Oh, no. Um, yeah, there was throwing of shoes. He lost to Kohlschreiber. Kohlschreiber played brilliantly. Oh, he was fantastic, um, And now plays, now plays Djokovic. Um, and I'm chuffed for him because, I mean, he's been around forever, Kohlschreiber. And yes, he's been a bit flaky in the past but and, and possibly could have could have had more success than he's had because he's a he's a stylish player but um he perhaps is a little bit underrated doesn't get the credit he deserves he's always been an opponent hasn't he he's never been the story really and 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 actually probably the only time i remember really feeling like he was the story briefly was when he beat roddick at the australian open in in that stunning match and yet of course the real story was Roddick's been beaten. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, Roddick's but, been beaten by, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, he, he hit a, an extraordinary number of backhand winners that day, but what a lovely tennis player to watch he is. Yeah, he is. Exactly. He's smooth and he's stylish, and obviously a, a single-handed backhand is almost always aesthetically pleasing, and he made he made Kyrgios go into, oh, I don't really care mode. I'm not really trying. I'm going to throw my shoes into the crowd. That's how little I care. I don't even want shoes. Um, and I just, ugh, I, I, I turned my back on it all, but then mm. turned back and, and watched diligently in order to... Uh, present coverage about it yes and um, you'll you'll no doubt turn your way back towards him when he starts playing like he did in oh Acapulco. of course i will of course i will <laughs> but anyway yeah that's nick Kyrgios done yeah nick Kyrgios, is serving for it again oh right uh 40 year old if he if he if he wins it he will uh he'll meet federer in a match that we i think greg has also <laughs> already previewed federer really <laughs> yeah oh that's good oh i like that yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah, but uh, he's got to get the job done for Vrinker. I think he's tried to serve for it. I think this is his third time. He's love 15. Can't get the job done. Oh, okay. Well, let's see if he can. Um, I'll keep I'll keep you posted. Fantastic. Can't <laughs> I, wait. I, I, I am right in thinking people tune into this podcast for live scores, right? That's, <laughs> uh, I, that's I am looking the at the draw. You're, you're absolutely right about the Vavrinka federer element. That is it. I mean, that that is the beauty of this tournament as well, is players that have been down on the luck a little bit and uh, 
uh, uh, end up with a rubbish draw in, in inverted commas, but that rubbish draw ends up being to our our enjoyment really because you just get these barnstormers early on um, and i think there's a, l- a lot of players willing for vrinker to do well here well sort of everywhere for a little while because they want him to get back up into the seeded positions mm-hmm. they, nobody wants stan vrinker to be unseeded at the french open no. put it that way oh crikey yeah that that would be a quite a quite a player to have to play early on wouldn't yeah. it the french open on clay um the uh, the other player I wanted to mention as well, uh, Ivo Karlovic, 40 years of age, oldest player ever to win a match at a Masters 1000 event, beat Borna Choric. I mean, twice. He's twice been the oldest player to win a, a match at a Masters 1000. Amazing. Amazing. What a great story. And I mean, he could carry on like that for years, couldn't he? I mean, yeah, he's going he... to be 52, still winning. <laughs> I mean, this it, it's a serve that that won't age I mean you don't have to move to hit a serve do you no I mean I'm 45 and I still still. serve like a dream Um, yeah he's got this incredible record against Chorich I don't think he's ever lost to him Um, so that was a dream a second round matchup Um, yeah good on you Evo Excellent, excellent. Kyle Edmund uh, is back and winning today 6-2-6 love over Nicholas Nicholas, what's his second name? Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. 52 minutes. Wow. I mean, Jerry was pretty rubbish, but Carl was great. Yeah. Okay, that's there that analysed. <laughs> Tune in to Prime Video UK for more for more of that Succinct detailed analysis. detailed analysis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it was Carl was really great and really imposing. You know, it was a really confident, dominant, ruthless performance, um, and I hope that that's a sign of him being in really great confident shape all i'm saying i just have a slight asterisk because jerry just didn't offer him anything today no. didn't didn't give him any reason not to feel anything but but confident so poor old uh, poor old Gerald, jared jared donaldson who's been oh. out for a while with injury turns up against rafael nadal today and loses 6-1 briefly briefly turned up against rafael nadal it's not, yeah it's not nice is it um, it's horrible, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, and and also a note here, uh, Auger Aliassim, uh, one of these is going to be a quarter finalist. Auger Aliassim, uh, Kechmanovic, Kechmanovic, uh, former junior, former junior number one, Kechmanovic, another one of them, Serbian. All right. Cool. Yeah, uh, Nishioka or another Serbian, uh, Jere, who's the uh, the yeah. chap we were featuring from the. Uh, Rio tournament wasn't it a, a couple yes. of weeks ago? The, the Serbian guy whose uh, whose parents have very sadly passed away, and he he won the title beating Ogier and Yassim in the final. Um, so yeah, we're going to get a, a a new look quarter finalist uh, on the women's side. I I think it's just I mean frankly it's been the better tournament so far. Um, partly because Serena Williams played Victoria Azarenka in her first match and then the winner ended up playing Garbini Muguruza. Sadly, uh, Serena, having played what many people regarded as one of the matches of the year so far, uh, Serena beating Azarenka, really rolling back the years. Serena, I've just watched today and she came out hitting the ball so sweetly but she'd got some sort of gastroenteritis, and, and after a set, she couldn't play anymore. She lost seven games in a row, and she was just unable to move around the court. It was really a real shame to watch. Um, but, 
you know, we, we've had a lot of these sort of matches. Where you talk about Federer Varenka. Last night I saw Venus Williams against Petra Kvitova. Venus is 38 now. I don't think I've seen her more intense than she was last night, clenching a fist, um, shouting, come on, just digging in and just taking the very best of what Kvitova got to throw at her, and she ended up beating it. Yeah, I loved that because people do people deign to question how much Venus cares still. They think, oh, she's just doing this because Serena's on tour and she can't think of anything better to do and she might as well because she's still playing all right. No, she's not there to make up the numbers. She blimmin' loves it. She said, I'm doing this because I love to compete. Um, and that was, yeah, it was a absolute sight to behold. Um, I do, I mean, I spare a thought for for Serena for for being forced to retire but poor Victoria Azarenka if anyone was deserving of an honorary place um in round 3 anyway then it would have been her let alone the fact that that round 3 match with Muguruza ended up being a eventually a washout you felt again it was like what was that match at the Australian Open where i said you should have had a a smoke-filled doorway in the sidelines and Victoria Zarenka should have come on in a cape and said, don't worry, guys, I'm going to play the second set. <laughs> the, yes. That needs to be a thing in Yeah, tennis. I mean, come on, you know, all this all this political shenanigans, surely we can bring that in. Um, or Serena should have gone to, called her up before the match and gone, uh, Vika, I've got a dodgy tummy. I'm going to try. <laughs> But could you just, you know, sit on the sidelines and I'll be available to, yeah. to sub in? Yeah, because yeah. um, oh, my stomach's rumbling and it's not good. Did you know that Venus Williams played her first Indian Wells before Grad Math was born? I did know that because I'm looking at those words on a screen before me and it's, it's sickening. It's horrible, isn't it? He's put, that's before I was born, exclamation yes, mark. so pleased. There's something, yeah, he's so pleased about it. That's when yeah. I was 23. <laughs> anyway, uh, Naomi Osaka got revenge You on... sent me a picture of yourself last night, David, from the commentary booth where you looked about 83. It was horrifying. That hurts. Sorry, David. In that, what that is is evidence of what what wonders a good night's sleep can do. Yeah, which is why I'm recording the podcast at four eighteen a.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so, dear. thanks for airing that information on the podcast. Well, you, the, you sent for, you sent it to me for the many thousands. You notice I didn't actually post it though, didn't you? Uh, because yeah, I, I didn't either. I, I thought I'd I keep hovered, it quiet. I hovered over the button. No, she's gone with the old 83 line. That's fine. Uh, what it else was we got? Not, it was not your best shot, David. <laughs> okay, well, I admit that. Uh, I've got many better. Um, <laughs> Naomi Osaka got revenge on Kiki Mladenovic, uh, which was from Dubai, wasn't it, the other week? And so Osaka yes. plays Collins next. She seems happy, doesn't she, Osaka, now? She's got her coaching situation sorted with uh, Jermaine Jenkins, and she just looks, yeah, in a good place again. Nice to see. Yeah, somebody, I was in the hotel restaurant the other night and in the way that Americans do, um, some some bloke that's here on a conference struck up conversation with me and, uh, you know, he obviously had a sort of passing interest in tennis. He very much knew who Naomi Osaka was and everything. But he sort of said, oh, was she a bit of a sort of emotional train wreck? Is she like not, does she not have the goods mentally to be world number one? And I... I, you know, I was a bit tired and I, 
I took <laughs> I took issue with him big time. I was like, <laughs> no, no, she's just, you know, wears a heart and a sleeve and life's tough sometimes, but life's really good other times. And she is world number one, mate. She's figuring it out. Yeah, she's world number one. And she's won the last two slams. Yeah. Go and yeah. bog off. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I pretty much did say that. <laughs> Why does that not yeah. surprise me? <laughs> um, so she's through to the next round. Daniel Collins next. Johanna Conto is out. She lost uh, to Kiki Burtons today. Good but match. But she though. played well. She yeah. really played well. 12 10. She lost the first set tie break. It was a thriller, that first set. Um, it was on Stadium 2, and that's the our, our, um, our Prime Video studio is actually sort of inside Stadium 2. Um, and the crowd are absolutely loving that. In fact, great matches all round on um, on that court today. And Stadium Three had um, Denis Shapovalov finally playing playing good ball again, as Robbie Koenig would say. Yeah, he really did look good. He looked the business again uh, against Steve Johnson, and he now plays Marin Cilic. Doesn't this ben feel a, a little bit like the running Dimitrov saga? from the oh. first four years of the tennis podcast. Oh, am I getting lured in again? Don't you am think? I not, there's a, am there's I a, not learning lessons We're going to be using lines like, he's making a believer out of me again, aren't we? In about two <laughs> no. years' time, we're going to start saying stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, until he stops making rap videos, I won't be saying those words. I stand <laughs> by this. I stand by this. <laughs> Okay. Um, Roger Federer has never made an amateur rap video in his life, and well, that's worked out that. fine for him. I really think that that is, you know, the you policy that, but to he take. Made his, he made his Boyzone video with Tommy Haas and Grigor Dimitrov, didn't he? But that was after he had won sort of 16 Grand Slams or whatever he was on at the time. All oh, right. So if you're Serena Williams or Rafael Nadal or Novak Djokovic, you can you can rap away to your heart's content. Sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, sort of. It certainly feels sl- slightly more acceptable. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, ob- obviously, I'm not the audience for Chapo. That's his rap name for Chapo's rap. Although I'm not you, the, in- I'm not the intended market. Yeah. Um, it's it is. I mean, it's horrendous, but it's sort of mesmerising. You did know all the lyrics, I noticed. No, no. I mean, they're very profound. <laughs> there's, um, li- there's there's life lessons to be learned from those lyrics, David. I want to move on from Shapovalov <laughs> to his. Country. He was really good today, though, and I'm I'm a little bit excited again. He's... Vavrinka and Fuchovic are having a really meaningful hug at the net, David. Because Vavrinka's won, but this is. This is quite a touching so moment. So it's Vavrinka against Federer. Who's going to win that? Oh. Um, I'm going to do a Greg and say 50-50. You cannot do that on the tennis podcast. You might be able to do that Greg, on the fancy television Greg does it screens. on the telly every day. Yeah, so. well, yeah, he's not on the podcast, is he? For a good reason. Um, <laughs> Federer. Right, I'm going Stan. Go on, Stan. Um, right, uh, what else am I going to say? Oh, yeah, I want to end on uh, Bianca. Uh, uh, I can't remember her name now. <laughs> Could we just, can we, <laughs> well, while you're thinking of it, Sloane Stevens lost 6-3, 6 Yeah, that's how I was going to get onto Vergler. it. How, so how, how, I didn't see it. I was watching those live scores unfold and and I Googled it afterwards, assuming she must have been injured. She 
she didn't seem no, to be well, injured. I, I didn't Just... I didn't see the match either, but I but I saw the scoreline and it was to Stephanie Vogler who actually lost to the player I've just been trying to pronounce, which is Andreescu. Bianca Andreescu. And that one was 6-1-6 love, I think. Um, or 6-1-6-2, six, six, sorry. Two. Um, yeah. But you watch that and you would think, well, how on earth can Sloane Stevens lose to this woman? Because Vogler is you know, a solid player. She, In words of Joe Dury, or how I was commentating, which it will just put it in every time. She gives you 100% every single time. And she clearly did. I mean, she was trying her heart out. Um, but she's limited. And, you know, Sloane Stevens on a good day, it would not be close. And yet this was not close the other way. And, and it's, it's, it's hard to believe. I mean, I can only assume Sloane Stevens wasn't feeling well. Um, or, or Ate just, the same thing Serena did, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, she really can't have been well, I, I don't think, in order to have uh, registered a scoreline like that. Um, and and, I, and I, I know that might sound unkind to, uh, to Vogler, but... Look, she is a limited player based on what I saw today. But then she was up today against a player in Bianca Andreescu who, whilst I might have forgotten her name for about 48 seconds, probably has given me some of the most uplifting tennis viewing that I've seen all year. And it was only a set and a half, but just the stuff she can do. She can do everything. Uh, It's just truly mesmerizing watching her use her angles and and she'll throw in a backhand slice and then she'll drive it and then she'll hit a big whipped forehand and come to the net and hit a low half volley dinked backhand drop shot winner you you're just looking at it open mouthed um because her potential she's 18 years of age and she's 60 in the world already. She's already reached a final in Auckland. She beat Wozniacki on her way there. She beats two or three big names on the way there. I ended up losing out to Yulia uh, Gergas, just sort of ran out of gas. But I just feel that talent-wise, this young woman has has got it all in front of her, really do. And Canadian tennis, oh, to be a Canadian tennis fan right now. Yeah. Thing, things are, these are the good times for Canadian tennis. They, uh, I mean, they've obviously got, some more established. I mean, Raonic, of course, the, the elder statesman of the crop. But uh, yeah, Orzhely, Asim, Shapovalov, Andreescu, they they are in some shape. Well, looking at Sloane Stevens's uh, quotes here, I think this week is just a busy week. A lot of stuff happening. Um, there's more asked of you here than there is everywhere else. Uh, so it's it's normal. It's 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 tougher for me than normal. Practice wasn't too bad, but I think just sometimes you get a little bit overwhelmed. Quite interesting, isn't it? To um, does she to hear kind that. of sponsor commitments and stuff? Well, I think there's that. There's also the fact that she's no longer with Kamau Murray, who's obviously mm. been in her corner such a long time. She had the U.S. Fed Cup captain Kathy Rinaldi. I'm reading here on the WTA website as her designated on-court coach, uh, doesn't want to rush into a, a decision to hire somebody just yet. And, yeah, I mean, it just sounds as though she's just not quite there. And and it worked so well, didn't it, with, uh, with Kamau Murray, that, yeah, he, he, I imagine it takes a bit of re- replacing, really. 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens when she gets back to Miami because, uh, of course, she won the title in Miami last year. She was wonderful. She beat Yelena Ostapenko in the final. I remember commentating on that. Um, but, yeah, you do get this with Stevens. Joe Jury today said to me that when Stevens is on, she's the best player out there. Um, but she's not always on. And when she's not on, it can be it can be ugly. Um, so... We'll see. We'll see whether she can get a game together. Right, better Catherine? Than a, better than a soccer. Well, uh, that, that's, what, that's clearly what Joe said because she was absolutely categoric about it. Um, wow. And, I mean, look, she, there's nothing she can't do, Stevens, when she's on a game, is there? No. Really, she can hit with power. She can move. She can hit angles, spins, you name it. Um, but... She didn't do any of that against Stephanie Vogler. Um, but so, yeah, Marky Card, Bianca Andreescu, exciting talent. Can't wait to see her uh, in the next round. And actually, I think she, she's in the same section as Magruther, I think, uh, could reach uh, meet her in the quarterfinals. Yes, she plays Chung Wang, Chung Wong who, next. Who beat Elise Mertens today. She's who a good player Elise too. beat Elise Mertens. Magruther plays Burtons. I happen just to have the draw popped up on the TV screen in front of me. Uh, so the winner of Andrescu Wong would play the winner of Burton's Muguruza. Mm. It's a good okay. draw. It's looking. It's shaping up nicely. Yeah, and as is the men's as well. I mean, there's yeah. still so many big names left. So uh, I look forward to it. Who right. needs Djokovic, Kyrgios? <laughs> Other but, than Greg, yes. Greg does. Yes, <laughs> bless him. Nobody's ever going to see that feature. Oh dear. No, no, it, it went out. Did it? It went yeah. out, even though irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. He said how much he was looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. It, it may or may not have been deleted, I don't know. Right. But anyway. Okay. okay. He gave us all, you know, something to look forward to briefly. Gave us two days of hype, from draw yep. to defeat. So thanks, Nick. Right, Catherine, yep. uh, go and get to bed. You've got to be up at, what time's your alarm set? 5.50 a.m., right, which well, is, let's face it, David, the night time. Yes, and it's currently 4.29 a.m. here. So that's the God. sort of dedication we're bringing to you here on the Tennis Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with another one. We're brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We're executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y. We love talking to you about tennis. Go and tell everybody you know about the Tennis Podcast. Tweet about us. Leave us a review on iTunes. Just tell your mates and maybe they'll enjoy it too because that's what we want. We want as many people listening to it every week so that when we get up in the middle of the night, it feels worth it. <laughs> See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.